Our scripture today comes from James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is shown in peace by those who make peace. The prophet Isaiah declares that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. In the Wizard of Oz, the wizard is painted as this great and powerful sage, someone who is wise enough to figure out how to send Dorothy home, how to give the scarecrow a brain, how to give the tin man a heart, and how to give some courage to the cowardly lion. What we discover, though, is that the wizard is actually a fraud. We find this out when the curtain is literally drawn back and we see him for who he really is. The wizard's wisdom is no wisdom at all. And when it comes to wisdom, James tells us in this passage really that there are two types of wisdom. One, like the wizard's, which is a worldly worldly wisdom. And another, true wisdom, which comes from God. And so this morning, James shows us that wisdom from God is shown through actions. James starts out by asking a question. Who among you is wise and learned? Now, many many people would claim to be wise and have understanding and have street smarts. But as we've seen before in James's letter, merely claiming something doesn't mean it's true. The wizard claimed to be great and powerful. But in reality, he was not a giant floating head. He was just some guy. I can claim to be a wise advisor who will always give you perfect advice as long as you pay me $19.99 per call, but uh, that doesn't make it true. If a follower of Christ is wise and learned, their actions will show it. His or her good way of living will be shown through actions done in meekness, in humility. Because to do so is to demonstrate wisdom. Wisdom's not about being snooty or self-seeking. It's about living in a godly way, walking in humility toward God and others. Proverbs 9.10 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Wisdom begins by standing in awe and revering the Lord. That in itself requires deep humility. But we are also called to show humility before one another. Now what kind of good conduct is James talking about in this passage? What is he saying that we should have? Well, he's talking about living according to God's ways as revealed in the scriptures. 
And he's given all sorts of examples already. It's a way of life in which God is honored, in which those in need are cared for. We saw in chapter 1, it's where the people of God look out for orphans and widows and keep themselves unstained by the world, meaning that we live by God's ways, not by society's ways. In chapter 3, we saw that it's where we keep a tight rein on our tongues, watching our words so that we can bless God and bless one another. It's a life, as we saw in chapter 2, where our faith and actions go hand in hand. And from this, we can conclude that true godly wisdom is more than just knowing things. Wisdom is shown in how we live. Now, it's possible that there was a problem in the churches that James was writing to, where people were living out and even teaching a different sort of wisdom, one which promoted selfishness over selflessness. And that wisdom, as James shows, produced disorder and all sorts of sin. James tells us that while godly wisdom is shown through good works done in humility, worldly wisdom is self-seeking. Verses 14 and 15. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and so lie against the truth. This is not the wisdom which comes down from above, but is earthly, worldly, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there exists disorder and every vile deed. So James is saying that if you're claiming to be wise and understanding, but you're bitterly jealous and full of selfish ambition and trying to grasp for power while stepping over people, you're lying about being wise. That kind of wisdom you think you have is not wisdom that comes from above. It's not wisdom that comes from God. Rather, it's earthly, worldly, and demonic. It's a godless wisdom, an unspiritual wisdom that has nothing to do with the Lord. And it's a type of wisdom that either emulates or even is fueled by demons rather than the Lord. James is pretty clear about bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. That it causes disorder and sin, not the unity and godliness that is meant to be there among followers of Christ. Now this false wisdom this wisdom that is not from above, can work like a cancer that spreads through homes, workplaces, and churches. But they're not the things of God. Those things are not the things of God. They have no place among the people of God. We're not meant to be trying to step over one another to gain power. We're not meant to live bitterly towards each other because someone has something we want. And yet this kind of false wisdom permeates our world. And it often divides brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, what does Satan love more than dividing followers of Jesus? To divide marriages as each spouse seeks their own way, unwilling to listen to the other's needs. To divide friends over rivalries and jealousy. To divide churches over bitterness and even over pettiness that has nothing to do with the gospel. When these things happen, God's name is slung through the mud. The gospel message is hindered. Our eyes are taken off Jesus. 
And Satan would love nothing more than to see us focus on our egos instead of on the Lord. You see, there's no place for jealousy and selfish ambition in the Christian community. If we embrace that kind of wisdom, we're not following God's wisdom. Instead, God's wisdom calls us to live humbly. Wisdom from God lives itself out in godliness. Verses 17 and 18, James tells us, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so wisdom from above, wisdom from God is pure. It's not found in doing sin. It doesn't lead to sin, but rather like God, it is pure. It's peaceable. It brings about peace, not strife. It seeks peace between God and neighbor. It's gentle, which means it's not ego-driven. Wisdom from above is open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. It reflects God's character, extending mercy towards others, seeking to meet the needs of others. And it's impartial. It doesn't play favorites with people. It's sincere. It's not a hypocritical type of wisdom that says, do as I say, not as I do. But rather, like God, its words and actions align with one another. And the fruit of righteousness and peace is sown by the one who makes peace. And peace clearly is the opposite of disorder and evil and sin that the other type of false wisdom brings. In fact, Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peace is a very important characteristic of the people of God. As I was studying this passage, I was reading a commentator who made a a brilliant point uh, about peace. He said that making peace doesn't mean we avoid conflict at all costs. I thought that was very interesting. It is actually a dangerous thing to avoid conflict at all costs. Instead, what we are to do is to approach conflict from a place of humility rather than pride, which will then seek to bring about peace. Where both sides of a conflict don't seek to fight, but to listen, to bring resolution and peace out of love for God and one another. Now, this is true in families, among friends, in workplaces. Um, But having spent uh, many, many years growing up in the church, I also know that conflict happens among the people of God and within the church as well. And on the one hand, some things aren't worth fighting about. There are certain things we just need to say, you know what, this isn't the the hill I'm willing to die on. I don't like this, but if I really think about it, if I remove the knee-jerk reaction, is it really a big deal? Uh, For instance, maybe the music was too loud one week, or maybe I didn't enjoy a particular song, but, you know, it's it's not an ongoing thing, so I'm just going to let it roll off, off my back. But then again, if you have been hurt by something or you have concerns about something, it, it might be good to bring that up, to address it. You can go to that particular person and say, hey, I, I want you to know that when you said this, 
it really hurt me. And I'd really like to work this out together. Or you could say, I'm, you know, I'm really concerned about this. Can we talk about this so that I can understand where you're coming from and you can understand where I'm coming from and, and we, can, we can kind of figure this out together? Now, this kind of attitude is hard. It is difficult, right? Yeah. Because it requires that we both are willing to listen, we both are li- li- willing to be humble, to put our egos aside and seek peace through Christ. And through that, maybe our opinion will change. Maybe we'll compromise. Maybe we'll agree to disagree, but continue to love one another. Maybe even we'll understand each other better. But the goal, the goal is to create peace between us. To fight, not each other, but to fight to maintain our relationships as brothers and sisters in Christ. Even when we disagree. It's not easy, and none of us get it right 100% of the time, but it is worth it. And it's situations really like these that can actually strengthen our unity rather than destroy it, and actually help us grow together. But it requires a whole lot of prayer with and for one another. The goal in that kind of good, godly conflict that leads to peace is coming together humbly, seeking to honor God, seeking mutual good, caring to get something resolved rather than pull away from each other because we are one in Christ. Now, there are some hills that we do need to be willing to die on where no compromise is acceptable. And that is where core truths of the gospel are involved. We, we can't just talk to someone and say, you know what, I, let's make a compromise. You say Jesus isn't the only way to God. Well, okay, I'll just, I'll be okay with that. No, that's, that's not how that works. That's a core truth of our faith. However, we can make it clear in a loving way that that is the case, that there is no compromise on that issue by seeking to hear that person's thoughts and doubts, by lovingly pointing them to the truth. But that, those things are a place where we don't compromise. And so peace is not necessarily the absence of conflict. It's doing conflict well. And we want peace among the people of God. Many times, we can only have the wholeness that peace brings when we work things out together in humility. And so this morning, let me ask you, what kind of wisdom do you want? As humans, we have this innate desire to get our own way, to fight for what we want at the expense of others, disregarding the harm we cause. But while this may seem wise at times, it's not wisdom from God, and it's not what he desires for his people. It doesn't fix things. It doesn't glorify him. Instead, we're called to live godly lives, living in humility toward God and others, seeking peace. It's not about pretending that there are no issues in our relationships, wherever they might be. It's it's about living humbly as we work through them. It's about pointing to Jesus in all we say and do. True wisdom, wisdom from God, is shown in our godly actions toward God and one another, leading to peace rather than disorder. 
which type of wisdom do we want? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you give wisdom. That when we ask you for wisdom, you indeed give it as we trust in you. And we pray that we would abide by your wisdom. You know how difficult it is for us to to get distracted from things of you. But Lord, instead, help us to live lives of humility and selflessness before you and others. Help us to live according to your wisdom that you may be glorified. Unite us together as the body of Christ. We thank you that you have made us one through the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.